Hello, thank you for joining us. We are a mother-daughter team striving to build a healthy and sustainable community. We have our generational differences, but have decided to lift each other up with our strengths and passions. Hi, I'm Holly, I'm the mom, and although there are many aspects of health and what healthy looks like for everybody, I have found my crazy life of tribulations always putting me on this path of health. I hope to impact others as I know others are struggling with some of the same issues. Hi, I'm Chloe, the daughter. Many of my passions are centered around sustainability. There are big and small steps that we can take together to be a part of the bigger picture. I hope to spread environmental awareness and action. Thank you for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Please wait till the end to hear our disclaimer. Hello. Hello. We are back. And so we appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. You've yes. reached We Built Us, and we are on a series right now um, in regards to domestic violence awareness yeah. month because October is domestic violence awareness month. So we thought we would talk about mm -hmm. that. And this is our third one. We have one more next week. But this week is uh, why don't you just leave? The question a lot of people get asked when they're in an abusive relationship. Well, you know, it's always different when you're looking at it. It's honestly like somebody being in a relationship with somebody and you're like, what the damn hell? Mm -hmm. What don't, why are they still with them? Kind of feeling mm -hmm. like, what don't they see? Um, the, the same pertains to an abusive relationship for people who know somebody in that type of situation. They're, they're just wondering, why don't you just leave? Mm-hmm. And as you will find out, it's not always that easy. So um, I've made it no secret that I am I am a recovering victim, should I say? Yeah, you should. Okay. So, um, yeah, I was in a crazy relationship for way too many years. Um, it was Chloe's father. So we, um, we've had numerous, as you can well imagine, many, many, many talks. Um, with each other and then I also have two boys that I've talked extensively about um, all mm -hmm. of this so we are very well versed and I have talked about it I think so much I think we're hyper vigilant now we are hyper vigilant as as far as what in general at. but like especially in this yeah oh yeah right this topic mm -hmm. strikes a chord with me and what got us going was with Gabby's death um, I thought, you know, God, the timing of, of her death, which is very unfortunate and super sad. Gabby Petito. Yes. And um, now with it being Domestic Violence Awareness Month, I thought this would be a good good mm -hmm. time for me mm -hmm. to discuss my my happenings because my hope is that when we talk or when I talk about our experiences, that it can help somebody else out mm -hmm. there that's listening because this this didn't happen for six months or a year or two years. This went on for many, many years for mm -hmm. me. And um, I don't know, my, my story is so long and it's so in-depth mm -hmm. and it's so crazy, but there, there is so much to, to the story um, that I'm going to just talk about a typical day in in the life and times of of living with an abuser right. and to when, put the listener in a place of like mental state 
Yeah. So you understand. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Where, where, where somebody may be. And there's always a, a variation there. There's, you know, less degrees of it where people um, might be in a situation where it doesn't escalate once every, you know, couple months or every six months or whatever. And then there's other people who mm -hmm. are in this where it escalates and rears its ugly head on a monthly basis. Other people on a weekly for me, mine was daily. Mm -hmm. It was daily hell. And it, it, we had covered this in other podcasts where it's a slow progression, a slow, almost brainwashing of bringing you in this place where you feel like you can't, can't, you can't do anything. You're so mm -hmm. dependent on them and you start to believe everything that they tell you and say to you. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy. And, um, my, your dad was big on sleep deprivation. So I was only sleeping a few hours. And, and so any sleep that I got was so, I'm sure in, intense, like my body was like, damn, you know, yeah, it was just, up. yeah. But you wake up and you're disoriented, you're, you're, you're tired. And your, your immediate thought is, where is he? What is he doing right now? At least it was for me. He worked from home, so he never left. He was always there. Mm -hmm. And he knew every move, and he gauged everything all of us ever did. And you were very, very young. And I felt like I protected you and your um, older brother. But the oldest, oldest one, mm -hmm. he he totally was on onto this, too. Right. But you had to watch what you ate and you were watching how you spoke and you watched if you could talk to the kids, if you could play with the kids, if you could play music, if you couldn't play music, if you brought up something, it could be something stupid like we need food or, um, I don't know. It just, it was, it's crazy. You had to just watch everything and it's exhausting. It's exhausting to constantly live with this intense mm -hmm. Because you never wanted to piss them off. You never right. wanted to say the wrong thing. You never wanted to look wrong. Like you always had to try to look the nicest you could look, at least in my situation. I also had to make sure that, you know, the kids were quiet and that they were doing their thing um, without bothering him. He, 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 and he changed day to day and you just never knew what was going to trip him. After a while, I started to understand um, certain aspects of, of, of him that I was able to be able to, I guess, play it safe and keep the kids safe. But that, that too was a hit or miss because if he started drinking, that just put a whole new variable and intensified the entire situation. And um, after a while, I remember uh, a neighbor once got wind of it because the police were there one night and he plays, you know, Kind of the oh that no no he's very people pleasing yeah very likable very yeah very suave suave with with his words and how he approached the public so mm -hmm. um, nothing was ever done um, but I would get asked why don't you just leave and I I know instantly that they they don't understand they don't understand mm -hmm. and for me I was um, in a wheelchair four of the eight years. And it was very difficult to walk. And he was a second degree black belt in karate. And he would use that as threats to me. It was Shotokan karate and Shotokan means one blow to kill. So that terrified me. It would take one blow to kill me. Wow. 
So being tired, not being able to walk, I really had to play a mental game with this man. And I knew if, if, uh, they, they didn't understand that if I left, he, he would kill me. Mm -hmm. I had to play mm -hmm. this out strategically. Right. It's not that easy. Um, there's a lot at stake. And for, first of all, in saying that, if the abuser knows that you're leaving, he then is losing control. Um, and then they can become more violent. Uh, most mm -hmm. women in the situation where it's this bad uh, actually need professional help to exit safely. The hard part is getting getting to the point where the police are even notified or known that there's an issue even going on in the house, you know? Mm -hmm. um, even the, then, it's like, I think sometimes it's not even taken seriously. No, it, it's not. If in, or, you know, I think about the Gabby place or whatever, where they just kind of think it was like two kids just mm -hmm. kind of arguing. I don't know if that town, because it was smaller, that they don't see it that often, that they don't take it seriously. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I remember there was, um, we were in a smaller town and the police officer there, um, who also co-taught with your dad, um, was a second degree black belt. He was a police officer and he pulled over one day and, uh, I was out in the, the yard and I think I was bringing garbage out to the curbside or something because I was only out temporarily. And he came and I said, hey, I'm going to talk really quick. I said, I'm in a lot of trouble. And I said, I'm really afraid, blah, 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 blah. And I was talking, talking, talking as fast as I could. And I said, and I have to finish talking because he's going to be out here in like probably seconds because he sees me talking to you. And I no longer finished that sentence. And there he was. And um, they, you know, were talking, whatever. And your dad walked walked back in the house and he said, are you coming? And I said, yeah. And um, the police officer looked at me. He goes, I'm very well aware. He goes, why do you think I got out of this? He goes, he's nuts. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, flip and do something. Right. Help me. What save me. Uh, it was terrible. Now, at that point, why wasn't he, like, doing something? Yeah, I, I don't know. If, you know, because police officers are still human beings, I suppose, with emotion. And he had that tie, and he had been with us for years um, because we had a fitness studio and, um, I don't know if there was like a, a, a feeling of torn. It's like almost probably for him pulling over his mm. mom for drunk driving. I don't know. Um, right. so not that that happened. That's just a situation. Yeah. Just, you I can't was, be like throwing that kind of stuff. Oh no. <laughs> I, I, I do that a lot where like, it's like kind of, mm -hmm. but yeah, no, mm -hmm. that never happened. <laughs> so there's a lot of reasons. Um, and again, we're going to be referring to like two people and the two people are just going to be woman and male. Like, we don't mean that there's two genders. We just, yeah, we're just saying that because of my mom's situation. It is. It's, it's easier for me to talk about because that was my situation, but domestic violence can happen across the board in any kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. I just want to put that precursor yeah, out there. I appreciate that. Thanks, man. Mm -hmm. No problem, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. All right. Anyway. All right. So sometimes if the woman has been verbally or physically threatened, she may feel safer staying. Why? Because if he, she leaves, then she'll be like hunted almost feeling. 
Yeah. Well, it's just like I I'm safe here and he'll beat me up, but I know I'll live through it. But I, I really wish he wouldn't do that. That's the thing. They wish they wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. But they don't stop. It's that cycle of abuse where mm-hmm. they kind of, you know, are so lottie daddy nice right. and wonderful. And then it kind of escalates with for whatever reason. And then the violence all breaks loose. And then they have the remorse. And, oh, I'm so sorry. And they flower you with gifts or flowers or kiss your butt, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's a cycle. It always it always returns. But if the woman has been verbally or physically threatened, she may feel safer staying. It's kind of like that control thing. And I, I think I shared it in the last podcast where I was working with a client and she actually was driven out to the point where he would tell her, this is where I'll find your body. Mm-hmm. Well, if that isn't enough to terrify you, you know, you're going to mm-hmm. stay and just abide by all the rules and his control. And they, they, they love that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, um, there's pressure to stay from family or, or the church, the church, like if you belong to a church and they'd be like, Oh, you said your vows. Those oh, are that's what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Kind of thing. Um, I, I actually, I have a, a deep faith in God and, um, I don't think I would be alive honestly without mm-hmm. him. That's my, my, um, feel on that. And um, Completely. I, I I give all my grace to to getting out of that by him. And that's another story in itself. And that's a cool story. Maybe we'll do a podcast on like surreal experiences that'd or be something. Cool. Yeah. yeah, that'd be really cool. Right? Should have done that around Halloween. Mm. Maybe. Right? But we got this going mm-hmm. on all the, way, all the way through. That's true. But I remember, um, you know, I, I was tormented by this because I had said my marriage vows and... I'm very loyal, loyal. I'm a very loyal. You are. You're so loyal. And I was, I remember looking in the Bible sometimes. I'm like, there's got to be an out. Mm -hmm. There's got to be an out for me, man. Where's the claws? Where's Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I can't be dealing with this. No. And because he was always home, he caught me reading the Bible Mm -hmm. and he whipped it out of my hands and threw it against the wall. And he goes, were you looking for? What are you looking for? What did he say? Something like um, words of comfort from mm. having an affair. What? Like an affair. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. You never, I never am allowed to leave the house. Mm-hmm. When the hell am I going to have time for an affair? Um, another reason they they won't leave is financial independence. Mm. Man, if you're not working or they're controlling the money, and you can't you literally go anywhere. Yeah, where are you gonna go? You don't you don't have any money. There are though. I'll I'll let let it be known. There are mm-hmm. resources out there. There are, are shelters um, that will take you in and and help mm-hmm. you out with that for sure. Um, guilt and manipulation. Mm. They'll use a form of mani- manipulation called gaslighting, where they um, say they'll attempt to change with no mm-hmm. with no intention ever. Of, no, of trying the follow to through looks like a few days or a week, and then it all of a sudden slips back into it is the original state. Their, their intentions aren't even there. Mm-mm. They'll just feed you BS. Just and they'll to... be like, "Well, I've been trying." Yeah, yeah. Man, gaslighting uh-huh. is the worst. It's so dangerous. It's it's what I call getting mind fucked. <laughs> 
We have to make this rated R now. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Bruh. Sorry. So I don't. <laughs> you just wanted it. Well, some... you already did it. So I'm just going to. Gaslighting anyway. is the worst, man. Yeah. Um. Sometimes. It makes you feel like you're nuts. It does. Like. Because then you tell people like, oh, like, this is what's happening. And they're like, oh, but like, they didn't mean it that way. It's like, oh, my God. Now you're gaslighting. Oh, my God. Well, well, you don't getting, know. You weren't there. double gaslighted. <laughs> <laughs> um, she doesn't. She doesn't believe she's worth getting any better in the really, or, you know, ever. Like, she feels she is deserving of this somehow. And that's just the effects of them really chipping away at that self esteem and your self worth over a period of time. And there does become a point in time when she believes it. Right. After you know? so long of it, hearing it. Right. Or worse yet, like they've been in it so long that they may not even realize the treatment they're receiving mm -hmm. is wrong. You know, every night, and I know you have heard me share this story, every night I actually would do like a little therapy and I'd be like, I'm okay. I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you, you know. you think that helped you? I do. And then I would do this little pretend scenario where I would go upstairs and I would go in your drawer and I would pull, open the top drawer where I kept your socks and your underwear and I would pull like four or five pairs out and then I would go in the next drawer where your little pants were and pull four or five pairs out and I would get all your clothes and then I'd walk over mentally over to the boys room and I would do the same thing for them and I'd grab toothbrushes um, you had your blankie with rubbies and the boys had their favorite toys and I would go through this and then I would pack in my head every night. And I thought, if I ever get the chance, this is what mm -hmm. I'm going to do. And every night I would do that, um, because I did know it was wrong. I, I, I know he tried. I know he tried very, very hard to, to dwindle about, but you know, my personality. Oh yeah. You know, don't, don't, don't fuck with you. No, see, you're going to be flying that word yeah, all over exactly. the place now. <laughs> the other thing is no one would believe her, which happens, mm -hmm. which happens. 100%. I, so I, I remember one time when I was um, working in a, in a restaurant after this, and mm -hmm. I was working with this girl, and I saw her looking outside, and she kept nervously looking outside. And um, she wasn't really paying attention to what anybody was saying to her. And I, I caught mm -hmm. it. Because you've been there. I said, you're in trouble. And she looks at me. She goes, what are you talking about? And I said, you're in a relationship? She said, yeah. And I said, is he abusive? Sorry, I'm kind of frank that way. Mm. She goes, how did you know that? I said, by the way, you keep looking outside. And she started crying. Mm. And she goes, nobody believes me. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I had a big old talk with her, too. Right. Yeah. Another reason is maybe they have health care, mm. you know, through the abuser, and they're just afraid. It's just that one more string that they mm -hmm. hold on to. Um, or sometimes you rationalize. Maybe it's not so bad. Right. You know, it is a cycle. I mean, and when you're in the honeymoon phase, it can be hunky-dory great. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it's when the shit hits the fan that it's like it's those God. first red flags. Yes, pay attention to like pay attention. Like, I didn't pay attention. I always rationalized in my head, like, "Oh, I can excuse this because mm -hmm. you know he does this or whatever." Um, or sometimes, here's a big one that I fell into. I felt sorry for him. Uh, many abusers will pick empathetic and caring victims. Um, 
he will he will ask you know i i hate when i'm like this you know i'm so sorry i never meant to hurt you can you help me mm. you know mm-hmm. that bullshit so i don't know the the other thing is she truly loves him mm-hmm. you know she they feels can... after I mean, after all that trauma that may be afraid to not find anyone again yeah right that's true um you know they can be extremely charming mm-hmm. and they can pre- be pretend in love with you by saying you know i love you but simultaneously lose control and mm-hmm. beat the crap out of you or demean you or whatever mm-hmm. um you know i've been in the trenches of a of a very bad place and it's so scary and and you know at any moment he may snap and abuse or worse kill you and the fear that comes from escaping is terrifying the fear of wanting to leave but afraid you can't make it on your own is terrifying you've been made to believe that Mm -hmm. i mean the fear of suffering is worse than suffering itself it's because you would sit and wait Mm -hmm. you know right it's the inevitable inevitable lead up to the abuse that is so terrifying Um, So any listener out there who may be in this place, let me say to you that as scary as leaving may be, it's possible. And it is okay to be really, really scared. It means you're about to do something really brave. Someday you'll look back at this moment. You you left and you can celebrate and you said, yeah, yay me. Mm -hmm. I know I say yay me all the time. Right. And you will see what I mean when I say it was a place you feel so good and so proud of yourself and that you're on top of the world that you wish you had done it sooner. I'm currently writing a book right now and I thought I'd read a few passages um, that sum up my story of abuse. Mm. And I'm going to bring it up right now while you talk, Chloe, because I forgot that I was going to do this. Do you remember any of this? What part are you reading from? I'm going to read... Oh, like growing um, up in this? Yeah, and it's part of it's it is part of my book, but I've changed it a little bit so I could read it on the podcast. And I um, have public spoke on this issue, and it's titled "I Should Have Left After the First Bouquet." Bouquet. <laughs> um. So here we go. As you read or hear my story, my intent is for the listener or reader to know and understand you don't need to have to become a byproduct of your environment. You can break the cycle. You can change an outcome. It's not easy, but possible. The outcome might not be exactly perfect, but you can be perfect in an imperfect world. Um, Being a parent has been the best thing I've ever done for myself, and I've dedicated everything I am into being a parent. My deepest intent was to be everything to my children that I didn't get growing up. You see, I learned in early age that abuse and disrespect in a relationship was normal, and I thought it was how people loved one another. My childhood was a place where I learned that abuse was to be tolerated, accepted, and a way of life. I, at a very young age, was forming an idea of what a relationship looked like. Well, as time passes, and I figured out how messed up my childhood was, When I became a mother, I vowed to be everything opposite of my upbringing. I was not going to fall into a relationship that was invasive, scary, unpredictable, or one that I would be fighting for my life or my children's life. I kept focused on what I wanted for my children. I wanted them to feel safe. I wanted them to be open-minded, productive, passionate, and most importantly, 
happy people that were going to find their place in this world and make a positive impact in whatever their passions lied. I met my abuser months after I found out that my then husband had been having an affair. I was devastated and was left with two small children at home. I thought we had it all, a beautiful home, a yard, he had a professional job, and I was a stay-home mom. The abuser was charming and charismatic. He was intense and passionate about helping me, and he was there for me always. He was kind and thoughtful. He fed me all the right words that I needed to hear while I was in a vulnerable state of loss. The transition from being my prince to a monster was a very slow transition. Of course, there were moments where I thought to myself, well, this isn't comfortable to me, or this isn't right, but I ignored them as I would be brought flowers and he would apologize. I wanted to believe him, however, the moments became closer and closer together. They became more controlling and violent. I was losing myself. I felt weak. I felt ashamed and useless. But that was his point. To bring me to that low, to work on my mind, I felt so deserving of the abuse that bestowed me and my children for the years to follow. His controlling ways prohibited me from having any communication with family and friends. There came a point where I wasn't allowed to speak to my eldest child, James. James was on to him, and we got caught talking about things. We both paid the price dearly. We learned quickly how to speak with our eyes, and the abuser was also on sleep deprivation, big on sleep deprivation. I was only allowed to sleep a couple hours a night, and I thought I was going crazy. I hallucinated, threw up from exhaustion, and was weak and looked like hell. I changed um, the name on there to protect um, when I was speaking to this. Um, This is a very small glimpse of the horror I lived. It truly is a novel, and I feel blessed to have survived to share a piece of my story. This relationship took eight years of our lives that we can never get back. The shadow of his manipulating, violent, unpredictable, controlling, and abusive behavior has also had a high cost of affecting my three children. My three children became part of an environment I promised I would never allow to happen. Children's brains are being highly influenced by what they see and learn. I know this firsthand. How could I have let this happen? I was sick that I found myself there. Then, there was a day I planned my escape. It had been carefully calculated by me for months. I was just waiting for the right opportunity. If I got caught, it would have been the end. My breakaway story is a nail-biting thriller worthy of a TV show, but I did it. Mm. I did it. I did it, girl. But it wasn't over. The problem for me now laid within how it was going to affect my children. I was vigilant in any behavior and habit changes, communicating all the while. A year passed, and you, Miss Chloe started showing signs of anxiety, paranoia, and OCD behavior. True. (laughs) We saw a counselor and worked with him every couple of weeks. I sent my boys down to discuss their sister's, your your behavior, and that I didn't want them making fun or mocking you. Um, And I said to the oldest one, I explained to them what OCD was. And I said, it was kind of like you, James, when you had OCD. Bewildered, he exclaimed, I never had OCD, Mom. I had to remind him all the times he would get up, get ready for school, and leave by saying, I love you. He would come back in the house after leaving and say, I love you. I say, I love you again. You're going to be late. Get to school. And he would come back anytime, anywhere between 10 and 15 times every day, every day of the week. And I'd have to call school and explain that he would be late again. 
he stared at me for a long time. And he said, Mom, I didn't have OCD. I didn't know if it was going to be the last time I saw you alive. That, that was a pivotal point for me as a mother. The conversations that followed were deep, frank, and genuine with my children. I was once told by a counselor that children will follow and navigate their lives to the stronger and healthier-minded parent. I in no way felt strong or healthy, but I knew that I knew better than the abuser did, and this gave me hope. This upped my expectations to parent like no other time. Three lives were depending on it. The struggle for years to come were intense. The abuse was done and the damage he did was living on. The fork in the road had been placed for my children where they needed to make a decision. Statistically, they more than likely would follow in the same footprints of what they learned and the monster would become what or become what he taught them or find refuge in someone who would provide the same ugly outcome or they could have a more difficult choice. I feel like coughing. <coughs> Excuse me. Or they have a more difficult choice and that they could rise above this and become better people of it. If they give in, the abuser wins. And mm -hmm. this terrified me. I believed in my children so intensely. The tears, the struggle, and the anger they each shared was justified. I found strength I never knew existed. I had many, many difficult conversations with them. Lots of love, and I pushed them out of a deep hole of hell to a world where resilience became part of who they were becoming. I broke the generational chain of abuse. I'm empowered, and I have taught my children the difference between succumbing and persevering. Remember, your children are watching. Fifteen years have passed now, mm. um, and personally, I feel educated, yet I must remind myself I'm smart. I am beautiful, yet the eyes have no luster and show pain. I am safe, but remain vigilant. I sleep, but I have nightmares. I can talk to my children without fear, but they are grown now and on with their own lives. I can eat what I want, listen, and sing to whatever music I want. I can look up in public and smile without fear. Mm. I'm single because the cost of loving is too much. Mm. I find my calm in helping others, art, writing, discussing life on my podcast. And my kids, guess what? They are open-minded, productive, passionate, and most importantly, happy making a positive impact in our world, doing what they love to do. Mm. So that is part of my book that you guys get a segment of. Thank and you. Should, like, I mean, I know I've heard it. But yeah, like, you I have. You've heard really me read that. writing. Thank you. It, and it's it's meant for, I think, the general public to mm -hmm. kind of understand the journey. Mm -hmm. A good but, perspective of it. So it's hard for me not to feel what I felt mm. during all of that time. It's weird, though, because even though I lived it, even though you lived it, mm -hmm. it feels like almost somebody else's life that we're talking right. about. Um, I don't identify with anymore. It's a place where I have grown and decided a long time ago I wasn't going to be letting it define me, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I'm sure there are times, you know, times that the aftermath of abuse rears its ugly head. But you know what? It's it's me in control now. Mm-hmm. So I have to remind myself of, of that often. Um, yeah, so th this podcast was 
was a good one because I was, was able so to good. speak personally on the issue because mm -hmm. I'd, I'd been there. Mm -hmm. And I obviously didn't talk much because I feel like this is like a your you topic that you can you are the expert on this, you know? Yeah, I unfortunately it's just one of those things that happen in life. I'm glad I got out. I'm mm -hmm. glad we got out. Same. And that life is all okay right now. Mm -hmm. So what are we talking about next week? Um, we are going to talk about after an abusive life mm -hmm. and, and offering hope. I love it. So for the victims. Um, it's a good thing to round out um, for the end of the series. But yeah, for the victim. Um, that might please, be listening yeah, out there. That might be listening or if you know someone. But um, please know you're not alone and you are not to blame for the situation you're in. Yeah, there are people out there waiting to help. And there are safe resources. Mm -hmm. There's shelters out there to help you uh, safely escape. Yeah, and your partner's not going to change. Um, so if you want to call the domestic violence hotline, uh, it's 1-800-799-7233. Word. Word. So if they want to find us, Chloe, yeah, where do they get us? You can find us on We Built the, or you can email us at webuiltus at gmail.com. Um, we also are on Instagram and Facebook at We Built Us. Um, I think on Facebook, We Built Us podcast. So podcast is added to that. Um, or else, yeah, just you'll be able to find us on those. You can message us, um, follow us if you need someone to talk to about anything we talk about or want a topic talked about, I guess, by us. You can totally reach out to us. Yeah, we love new we love topics. That. We got a request last week that mm -hmm. we might cover mm -hmm. in the coming month or so. So that would be kind of cool. Yeah, that would. Anyways, thank listeners, you. thank you for listening. We appreciate you guys. Until next week. The We Built Us podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information along with sustainable ideas and is created for entertaining and educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for nor replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Do not disregard or avoid medical-related advice from your healthcare professional because of something you may have heard on this podcast. The use of any information provided on this podcast is solely at your own risk. Product mentions are a personal opinion and are not intended to advise the use of any of these products mentioned, and the use of any products are solely at your own risk.